good morning, Matthew. It's uh, Ian Bersons from uh, calling in from Canada today. I'm the president and CEO of Canadian Critical Minerals, Inc. Uh, we're based in Calgary, Alberta, and we have two projects uh, currently uh, online with uh, the Bull River Project near Cranbrook, B.C., and a partial interest in the Terry Project in Ontario. Both are primarily copper, uh, but we also have some byproduct metals, including nickel, platinum, plating, gold, and silver. Ian, lovely to see you. It's been uh, a couple of years since we saw you, um, so appreciate coming back on the show. Uh, also, name change. We, we've, we've lost the Scottish heritage. We've moved to something a little bit more descriptive. Why did you, did you, why did you do that? Well, you know, I've, I've got mixed feelings about it. Uh, we, we did like Braveheart was a name where, where I was told by one investor, uh, you need to have a brave heart to be in this business. So thinking that we lost half our market cap since the name change, I start to wonder whether whether trying to align ourselves with this critical mineral space it, to date, it really hasn't pushed the needle. But it was really to rebrand and, and let our investors know that we're primarily copper focused. Right. Okay. Well, the copper focus is not, not a bad thing. And, and obviously, you mentioned a few other uh, battery metals in there as well. And um, look, I'm, I'm sort of intrigued by this because the the, the company, if I'm reading the new, the news releases, listening to you, it has moved on significantly. If I look at the share price, I, I kind of have to question myself. Um, you're sitting at sort of sub ten million bucks um, today, but you're you're talking about about um, copper projects. You're talking about OPAs. Um, looking at revenue in you know in the not too distant future, so there's a massive disconnect for me. So, um, what has happened since we last spoke? Yeah, it's uh, a lot has happened, and um, we think that we've con- we've tried to execute on on our plans, but um, we really haven't been rewarded on a number of fronts. So, when we last talked, uh, I think we were probably ten cents, and we're staggering around three cents. So. It's difficult to understand, so we've been trying to look and say, what's the cause of this? Um, we've looked internally. We thought that uh, one of the big items for us was a large secured debt to Ocean Partners, who's our off-taker. And uh, as, that, uh, as that agreement had been amended several times, we were getting to the point where I think people were looking, saying uh, they, they can't repay this. So we... we we uh, worked hard to get rid of that. Um, the other issue was really uncertainty with permitting and the permit stories I was hard to tell in a, in a fair way uh, when you're talking about government relations and First Nations relations. So I think the, just the, the length of time it's taken us there has been problematic. And uh, to date, we really felt that uh, when we announced uh, the, the sale of Terry, I'll get into that later. We really didn't want to sell any part of Terry, uh, but the reality is we don't really see that we ever gained any market valuation from the time we bought it, including a successful PEA. So I think there's a variety of reasons why that is, but uh, so Terry wasn't really accruing value. And uh, so ultimately we made the decision uh, to enter into an OPA or an ore purchase agreement with New Gold uh, at their at their new Afton operation. And the thinking there was that we've got a stockpile that's notionally valued at over $30 million Canadian. 
and we're sitting here with a with a market cap of seven and a half. So the math to me just doesn't work out. So um, in addition to what we talked last time, uh, we had a large uh, debt to one of our insiders, Aaron Madlock. We were able to convert the $5 million of Canadian debt with interest into a 3% NSR specific to Bull River. So, you know, we're at the point right now that for whatever reason, we're like a lot of juniors, there just isn't much love for our business. But when I look at what we've actually achieved, we have moved the needle, but um, but our share price, frankly, has gone backwards. And we've tried our best in the last period of time to avoid dilution, which is always a concern to, to any investor. So... I think we've got the right pipeline of projects and and strategy right now, and we we just think that again it may take a bit more uh, market awareness. Okay, so I take I get the sort of tidying the balance sheet up bit, um, but in terms of like picking which child, I'm you know the the cherry situation is kind of interesting. It was the most advanced, so to say, most logical that you you progress that and keep 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 that one and 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 get rid of Bull River. So how, what was that decision making? For you, you know, you know, giving away, well, not giving away, selling the the most advanced project versus kind of keeping the earlier stage project. Well, I, I, actually, Matthew, it's reverse. The the Bull River is the most advanced, um, and it's got currently the Bull River mine has been dewatered for almost fifteen years. Um, we have infrastructure there that's usable, about a hundred million dollars. So it's the it's clearly the most advanced. It requires less than 10 million Canadian, we believe, capital to finish it off. Uh, the uh, the Terry mine's a different animal. They, they were both past producers, but Terry really is at the point where it needs to be drilled for the next couple of years. Uh, there'll be no one rushing to make a commercial or production decision there, even though we had a fairly positive PEA. So, so really, Bull River is our flagship. Well, so, so, how, so how do you, well, how do, that's interesting. Let's have a chat about that because if, if I'm looking at this thing, it's like, yes, there's been a couple hundred million bucks, you know, spent on it, and you've kind of got the infrastructure there, and you've got a mill there, but it's gonna, I mean, one, do you have to kind of refurb those things? You have to spend money to, to do that. Two, do you need to do any further economic studies given it's already been in production? Previously, I mean, how much more money needs to be spent on that versus something like Terry? Right. Well, Terry, Terry, frankly, is going to require uh, the the new controlling interest is is with Orcap, and they've spoken about wanting to put about a hundred thousand meters of drilling to really get that into a size where it's of interest. So, you know, we've talked to the Glencores, BHP, Hud Bay. Everybody looks and says it's too small or it's too this or that. And um, although we looked on a PA of focusing at the Terry Underground, really the way to increase the size of that project is on the near surface. So that's where we'll be, you know, working with ORCAP. We're still a major shareholder in the Terry project with 39%, but uh, we would work with, uh, we're not going to have to put any more money into it. Now, as money gets raised, we will be diluted some, but really we've put Terry in a position where it's in good hands in that um, we did about $600,000 of flow through drilling this summer. The purpose of that was to ensure that our, our work assessment requirements or let's say uh, maintaining tenure on claims and leases was maintained through 24 
And with the work that we've just done, we believe we'll have sufficient work to really have good two dates well into late 25, 26. So Terry collectively won't require very much to keep in good standing. And we just have to, uh, ORCAP wants to work with us to really change the story, maybe, maybe get it get it, it under some different eyes and ears to understand that, you know, 1.3 billion pounds of copper, um, and as, as ORCAP speaks, this is the largest copper mine in, in Ontario. So it should garner attention, but right now we have about uh, uh, about 1.3 billion pounds of copper. We believe that the current in tonnage wide, it's about 75 million between the underground and the open pit. We think that it's very conceivable to double that near surface resource, you know, in drilling over the next two years. But that's really going to be the focus for Terry going forward. And fortunately for us, we're not going to have to fund that. Okay, so so that's the, the there's no kind of capex. Well, no, no funding at all. Do you say you, is, is that free carry with thirty nine percent? Well, no. So what what's happened is we renamed uh, the, the subsidiary company was called Pickle Lake Minerals. Yeah, and it's been renamed Cuprum C U P R U M, which is Latin for copper. I just learned that, and. Uh, and so what, what ORCAP wants, right now the share structure is ORCAP has 45%. We have 39. Uh, QC Copper, which is also managed by Stephen Stairs, has 10%. And then as part of the disposition or the discharge of the debt to, ORC, uh, to Ocean Partners, uh, they retain 6%. So going forward, the idea is, is that this private vehicle, Cuprum, will go public down the road. Um, ORCAP is of the view that the market is just, it's not the right time to push through an IPO. Um, so what they'd like to do is really to do a deep dive in understanding the geological resource. And this is the way they've attacked projects like they have at QC Copper and others. So, so certainly... It's the project that has the most, it's the elephant. It's the project that was going to generate the big bucks. And we've tried to structure a deal where we not only stay in in a significant percentage initially, but uh, we were able to negotiate some milestone payments. So as the resource grows, um, we'll get uh, upwards to $750,000 cash as the resource, the geological resource is upgraded through a 43101 uh, technical report, but I would say that process will kind of happen over the next the next uh, 18 months to two years, and it'll be interesting at what point in time does the IPO actually does one complete it. But uh, more to follow because of course these are early deal early days for for Terry. But right. early- can you, can you see- can you see why? Can you see why it's easy to get confused? In these, sorry, sorry to be so facetious about it. It's it was like you got one point three billion pounds of copper there. That's a monster of a project potentially, versus going in and restarting an old mine and having to go through the funding process of that. It, it just it's just kind of like I was wondering why you'd ordered it. Um, yeah, the way the way that you had. But is, 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 what, what, were the, what were the problems you're trying to solve in terms of market conditions, fair value, cost of capital, et cetera? Was it a choice you'd made if there was money readily available? Uh, it's a great question because uh, 
funnily enough, uh, I've been negotiating with New Gold since September of 22 on the OPA. And it was not out of desperation, but we recognized that if we were able to generate some free cash, then our other woes disappear. The, the ocean debt goes away. So it, it really came down that that process that started in September of 22, and we felt collectively we could finish by Christmas of 22, it ended up that uh, uh, New Gold currently has an operating permit for their new Afton mine. They're struggling with filling that because they're transitioning between two areas of Block Cave and the underground. So they have capacity and had capacity. So when we reached out, we thought that this would be pretty simple to be able to supplement their feed. Now, we're never going to be able to send them more than 2 to 3% of their mill feed. So it's, it's incremental, it's small, but uh, they like the fact that our ore is clean. They like the fact that our grade is better than what they have. But what, unfortunately, again, in, in, in the regulatory process, uh, the Department of Mines decided that rather than allow them to take our feet in, uh, we did, we did uh, characterization work for the tailings. So the tailings were not, uh, uh, there was no deleterious elements going in the tailings. So they're ready to go. And government, in their wisdom, said, well, we need you guys to apply for a new operating permit to take a feed that was less than 2%. So right now, the way our permit is, the way the permit that New Gold has is that we can supply up to 9,000 ton per month or 18 months or whatever time frame it is. Um, but unfortunately, the, the minute you trigger a review of an operating permit, it triggers consultation, triggers engagement with the First Nations, and frankly, we lost another six months. So if I'd been able to get that over across the finish line, uh, we wouldn't have done the Terry sale. We, we were already in pretty good shape to hold onto it. And I'm not saying sit on it, but I would have liked to keep it in our inventory. But at the end of the day, you know, you, you've got to be able to, to keep, keep afloat. So that, that was kind of the rationale behind it all. And coincident to that, I just announced today that we secured a rental uh, sorter, Steinhardt ore sorter from uh, Bay Horse in the States. Now, what's significant there is these ore sorters are a special unit, these X-ray transmissive units, and they're, they're difficult, they're virtually impossible to find used, and a new unit can be upwards to a year from the time you decide to purchase it. So you could get one from Steinhardt or you get one from Tomra, both are quality products, but I was able to kind of uh, uh, negotiate with Bayhorse so that they, they, they saw it as a win-win where they had an ore sorter that they couldn't use today or eminently while they're waiting on permits, but we could. So we, we agreed to a 12-month rental agreement, and what, I'm, what I like about that is that although it's a bit expensive, we can determine whether or not ore sorting truly does work in a commercial sense. We've proven it in the lab uh, with samples, but once we sort this entire stockpile and send the course product to New Gold, we're going to have a huge database to, to determine, you know, what was the what was the actual grade that was in the pile, what recovery, what were the payables, and does it make sense to integrate ore sorting into our longer term? mill flow sheet. 
but all these items would have been different had we, you know, not got to certain points in time in terms of either approval process. So uh, we have, a, as I mentioned to you in previous calls, we have a electrical bill of $25,000 a month for our mill, for our underground and for our camp. And we've had that since 2010, or we haven't, we've had it since 2019. But, you know, it's a quarter of a million dollars a year to keep the mine dry. You could make that argument looking back, why didn't you just let it flood and then dewater it? But there's always damage occurred when you allow a, a mine that's good to go to flood you lose your ground support, you lose a variety of things. So we have to strip things out. So we've always maintained that it still makes sense to keep it in a dewatered condition, ready to go. And um, and so that was kind of the strategy, but but no question in my mind. Um, the biggest thing with Terry was we, uh, we had the good two dates on our claims coming up so that had we not done work by September, we would have potentially compromised our claims and put them in, put them into a forfeiture position. So again, strategically, I would like to have assays for all seven holes from the July program. I'm sitting on assays for five holes, more because I only needed to assay two to kick the can on the good two dates into next year. So we're sitting with five holes that we know all intersected the mineralized structures exactly where we thought they'd be. But it, again, when you're cash poor, you put another 120 into assaying when you already have breathing room, put it that way. So we've really tried to say as much as the, uh, the, the whole notion of the OPA, uh, some people think it's, it's a great idea. Other people saying, are you losing your mind? Uh, isn't the transportation cost going to be quite high to go 600 kilometers? Short answer is yes. But we're looking right now to get combinations of, of trucking and rail. So one of the large rail companies in Canada is CP Rail. So we're looking to try to hammer out something here where we can transport transport the ore partway, and then it goes on rail partway, and then through the Rocky Mountains. So a lot of this is kind of iterative. Until such time as we could announce the deal with New Gold for the New Afton property, we couldn't really nail down the sorter and we couldn't nail down this crushing screening. So we had a lot of things kind of in the works behind the scenes, but we haven't wanted to waste people's time if we didn't have the OPA first and foremost. Okay. But Nick, Nick, I appreciate that detail there and, and, and the thinking around it. That's always useful um, to understand. So I get the balance sheet, um, tidying up again, the, the, the situation cherry, you know, Timing is everything, and 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 but so is staying staying afloat, right? So you you do what you can um, to make sure that is the case. So, so given the position that you now find yourself in, given the state of the market, which is difficult, the, this this ore sourcing and the revenue, more importantly, from the the ore sourcing, um, the OPA that you you sorry, the ore sorting and the OPA that you um, organized. What's that going to do for you next year in terms of cash flow? Because I talked about deliveries of up to 90,000 tons. Um, presumably, if the oil is in place, uh, you'll, you'll be selling through you know, higher grade um, uh, rather than more waste. Um, it will you know, improve your margins, presumably. But 
what does that money do for you? Does it allow you just to sort of stand still while you see what the market does? Does it mean no dilution? Does it mean that you can start building up a cash reserve to give you options later on? I mean, what, what, what do you think it's going to do for you? Well, I think it probably does all, all three of those things, really, because at the end of the day, we think that uh, the ore sorters on site, um, we're going to do an initial uh, recommissioning with the help of Steinart, who is the OEM. And once we start sorting, effectively, the process is we take the 180,000 tons and you put that through a crushing screening plant. You, uh, you separate. So the material that's minus 5 eighths inch, I, I won't give it to you in millimeters or centimeters, but uh, minus 5 eighths inch, uh, sorry, plus 5 eighths to, to minus 3 inch would be the coarse product that we would plan to send to the sorter. The minus five eights or the fines, they don't respond well to the sorter. They kind of blind it off. Uh, you'd have to run it at incredibly slow speed so the X-ray technology can separate the ore from the waste. We're finding so far, we had originally estimated that twenty-five percent of the of the of the material would be fines. We're finding initially uh, that it could be up to forty percent, but this is you know early days on that process. And uh, so, assuming that it was 25%, then of the 180, we'll, um, uh, for argument's sake, a, a quarter of that will stay at the minus fines that would provide a fee to the mill once it starts up. The remaining material will go through the sorter, and it'll separate it roughly, if the lab is correct, 60-40. So when we did this test before, we found that we were able to achieve 95% of the metal and uh, about 40% of the material went to waste at a grade of about 0.17, which is well below our cutoff grade. So we would not even mill that material. So it will effectively be waste. And the coarse material, uh, the in situ grade of the pile is about 1.7% copper equivalent. Through this exercise, we believe we're going to be able to pre-concentrate a product of about 2.75 to maybe three and a quarter percent copper equivalent. That would be the fee to New Gold. So what happens under the OPA is we have a revenue split or a payables calculator, if you will. I won't get into the detail of how well or poorly we negotiated that, but Needless to say that New Gold will be purchasing that ore from us on a per ton basis, and uh, the payable will be will be related to grade and recovery. And ultimately, that material gets commingled with their concentrates, which gets sold to their uh, to their third to their other parties. Uh, the tailing stays at New Gold, so we're not responsible. But what we are responsible for is getting the material to their doorstep. So on a cost basis, we're estimating that we should be able to get uh, net proceeds uh, from, from milling of that on a monthly basis of about 300, 350, maybe a little higher Canadian, thousand Canadian. So over the period of 15 to 18 months, we should have a st steady, steady revenue stream. So the net on this whole exercise for us may only be four and a half, five million dollars. But that's um, that's a godsend to us because our our bills to keep the mine dewatered are they're 
They're not in, inconsequential, but all of a sudden our payables are in good shape. And to our investors, we haven't, we haven't, they haven't incurred any more dilution, which is that ugly word that, you know, shareholders don't like. So we will be losing some money in that, uh, in that we have to truck it somewhere. But the reality is that option, when we talked back in December of 21, it was not available. So we were of the view that you really couldn't truck our or any distance and make any money on it. But with the ability to secure an ore sorter that kind of came out of left field and the ability to work with New Gold, albeit a year a year in the works, we, we have a solution now that will allow us to, again, make sure that any of the permitting issues that are that are required to finish up are can be paid for. And, um, and we, uh, so we're, so we find ourselves next year that we're debt free. Uh, we have, we have revenues and arguably free cash, and then we will deploy that either, uh, we can start to pick away at some of the capital projects that need to be completed, but at least from our treasury point of view, we will be in a position where we don't have this, uh, a going concern risk in my mind for the next two years once this once this process starts. Right. Okay. I, and, I, and I hear you. Um, it's what I'm interested in. Is, look, I, I think you, in this market, you need to be agile, need to be nimble, you need to be uh, entrepreneurial, you need to find a way, a way to survive. Lots of companies won't. So I appreciate you. At least you've got the option to do that. But um, at some point, the stockpile runs out, the tailings run out, and you must have done something with the cash that it has generated for you. So to, you know, you, you're sitting there with a kind of big infrastructure or historic infrastructure. We're in varying states of repair, which will need sourcing out. You've got a, a mine there, which will, you know, needs to be restarted. It, you know, and that will require capital. So, how do you allocate your capital over the next two years? I guess it's going to be a slight reaction to what's going on in the market and a slight reaction to the opportunity in front of you. So, let, let's focus on the opportunity in front of you. What can you do? to continue this as a growth story rather than a static story. Yeah, so you know in terms of the next steps when we put our permit in almost two and a half years ago or began the process with the project description we had decided to divide the application into what I call a phase 1 and phase 2. So phase 1 would be to mill the surface stockpile only put that tailings material on a dry stack or filter tailings on surface Phase two would be to go underground and begin stoping. So right now the underground is open. We we can access two thirds of the existing resource from the current tunnels. Um, but because those tunnels have been open since 2010, we do need to do some rehab in terms of screening and bolting. And uh, so there'll be a couple million dollars that we're going to want to spend on those primary arteries to make sure that we can safely you know, continue our operations. Uh, so that's important. And what we did in parallel was we completed a ground control management program study with two of the top guys in Canada, and they determined that not only is our ground some of the best in terms of stability, but it's a modest, uh, it's not a egregious uh, bolting program that we have to do. So we're pretty comfortable that we have a handle on what that will cost us per meter of ramp. So we have about 26 kilometers of, uh, or 22 kilometers of tunnels 
not all of it will have to be uh, resupported. But right now, I mean, we don't have ground control issues. There's no bursts or no those kind of things. But from the point of view of safely starting the mine up, it, it behooves us to get that ramp fixed up. So that's one of the key projects that I want to embark upon as soon as we get some cash flow because we, we tick that box and get it out of the way. The underground today, if we were to try to develop that, it would probably cost in the range of $60, $65 million. Now, having said that, you wouldn't do all that work, but our, our unique situation is that because it's in place down 350 meters, rather than chasing this ore body top down, we can actually start 350 meters down and work our way back up, which from a mining point of view is pretty good. And in concert with that, we drilled uh, the other year uh, about 150 meters below the bottom workings and had some of the best intersections that we've had. So we're of the view that this is a shallow mine. We will do more drilling at a certain point in time, but our last results in my mind were outstanding, but we got no love for them. So, uh, so what it really will be is that we want to deploy capital in a proper way. Um, we looked right now that to complete the surface infrastructure, somewhere around 10 million, it depends on which consultant you're talking to. But for example, I had told our shareholders in the market that we were going to move forward with the facilities agreement with hydro, reconnect to the grid, get one project box ticked and move on. Unfortunately, we found out this June that after we paid monies to actually pay hydro's cost of the reconnection, which is about 150000 uh, we paid half of that. We learned that if we were to reconnect to the grid and couldn't accept five megawatt of power, we would be, or at least 50% of that, we would be uh, we would be on the tap for serious um, uh, uh, penalties, if you will, on the demand side of the equation of the power. So under the power, you have an energy component, demand component, and a power factor component. Well, had we reconnected this as we were planning to to get ready to go, um, we would have increased our power bill by double. So I just said, listen, with hydro. We'll, uh, we're going to give you, a, as soon as we get our permit, we're going we're gonna to agree on a reconnection date. But I don't want to do it prematurely and then get penalized because we thought we were being proactive. So I know that some of our shareholders have been confused about what are they doing? They promised to do this. Why didn't they do it? So we've tried to clarify the logic. But again, um, you know, this, this was one where we own the transformer. Uh, the actual cost to reconnect is not that high, but um, but we can't afford to be penalized. And uh, the other thing that happened in concert is that we were motivated to reconnect to grid power because we had uh, advanced discussions actually to be a crypto miner. So we were looking at putting a data room uh, or data data uh, storage, if you will, on site utilize our, our un, unutilized power to be crypto miners, as offensive as that sounds, but to offset costs. And lo and behold, in the middle of these discussions, we learned that sequentially Quebec, followed by Manitoba, followed by BC, will not allow new crypto or data mine installations because 
you're taking hydroelectric power, which could be used elsewhere. So we're not the only jurisdiction. I think Texas has done that. So is New York. But again, we've been always trying to think outside the box as to how do you not live to fight another day, but you know, what are the kind of things you can do that are creative using your existing infrastructure? The, the surface on its own, the replacement value for the surface is about $35 million. And uh, the front end, the crushing plant, the grinding, that's all there. What we require is to install flotation cells and, and filtration. So the upgrades to the surface are relatively modest. I don't know too many projects where you could spend $10 million and be operational. So as we've talked before, I mean, best case, Bull River could probably kick out 10 million pounds of copper a year for 12 to 15 years without finding any more. So it's never going to be a barn burner. But if it's cash positive, uh, I just can't see, Matthew, how how we could possibly stay at a seven and a half market cap um, if, if we've, you know, so we, so we will go through the stockpile. We'll continue to get our permit. But even if we were to get the permit, let's say in 12 months time, I can't guarantee in these markets that anybody would uh, put a loan in place for uh, 10 to 15 million. It, it's just, uh, it, it's just a really tough time. And so we understand with Terry that, you know, trying to bring a project on for several hundred million was not something that we would have ever done. But the idea that it'd be tough to even get to 10 to 15 million, it's just, it's hard to understand, especially when we have all the buzz about critical metal, critical minerals and the government's desire to build capacity, blah, blah. We have, we have two projects that are near existing infrastructure and um, and yet we're you know we're struggling to advance them to the point where they go, either one or both goes back into production. Well, at least at least got some options um, ahead of you, and let's see if the the, the government actually catches up and uh, kind of you know delivers on some of the promises it's making. I, th- I think there's a lot of funding um, being talked about being available. Um, so we, we we should see how that plays out uh, for, for you guys, Ian. I, I think. That's kind of really good update for me, and like, I do appreciate some of the the uh, what the market is throwing at companies, and and the point is you've got to be in the game to play the game. So staying at the table is really really important, um, and you've got some optionality there in terms of non dilutionary ways of doing that. It's then a question of you know can you deliver on the moving forward of the of the um, of the project uh, it, it's itself going forward. It sounds like. You've got some ideas about how that can happen. So, look, stay in touch. And don't leave it so long next time. Um, sounds like you're moving forward on a few fronts. So appreciate you coming on, and we'll see you soon. Yeah, thanks, uh, thanks for your time today, uh, Matthew.